So there I was, negative 70, and I knew exactly what I had done to end up in that position. You all might be wondering why I'm doing this podcast. Um, I started doing this because I often get asked the question, what was it like when people find out that I've been to the asshole of the world, Antarctica? And I'm quite the smart ass, so my general response is it was cold. Um, there's just so much to encompass in all these answers. So I figured I'd compile a list. Uh, this is for people looking to go to the ice. You can't visit. You got to work there. Uh, here's how you can get to it. Um, and to share my experience. So this is all through my eyes. I got to start out by saying that uh, I don't represent the companies that I'm going to mention those are PAE, Lidos, NASA, Ghana U, Best Waste, and the National Science Foundation. They may not like what I have to say. So, I'm in no way associated with them anymore. And let's move forward. How did I end up there? Well, I was working a job in Texas, and I'd gotten tired of it. So I started looking for Oconus work. Oconus is outside of continental U.S. or offshore. I was entertaining anything that would get me some travel. I was getting bored, getting stir crazy here. So I found a job, power plant mechanic, uh, in Antarctica. And I got sent in my application, got a phone interview, because of course they couldn't fly me out for an interview. It's only about 5,000 miles away. So they interviewed me. Turned out I had direct experience with the equipment that they had on site. And it was a, I was a shoe in. So then we started the hiring and onboarding process, which was, let me tell you, a pain in the ass. Biggest part of the hiring process that sucked was the PQ process. Uh, PQ is physical qualification or physical pre-qualification. What it is is a medical questionnaire interview. They want your sperm count, blood type how many mothers, fathers you've had, diseases, etc., etc. I want to note, though, that if you have any underlying conditions that you may think prevent you from going to Antarctica, there is a waiver option depending on the severity of your condition. I had to sign a waiver for asthma, and I still got to go. So they're going to pick through you with a fine-tooth comb, medical, dental, and I believe there's one more thing that I'm forgetting, but it's a lot. It's very invasive. They even ask you to get a prostate exam if you're a male, no matter your age. Thankfully, my doctor said, hey, bud, you got any symptoms? I said, no. And he said, all right, we're just going to take that box. So after all that got done, four months later, there was travel. So the company that sends you there pays for your plane ticket to and from and you have to have a passport. If you don't have one already, you need to get one if you're planning to go because you travel through at least New Zealand, depending on the airline that you fly with. I got on Qantas Air and they flew me through Sydney, Australia, and then straight to Christchurch, New Zealand. Coming home, I flew from the ice to Christchurch, then to Auckland, then to LAX, and back home to DFW. So it, they changed airline carriers while I was there, and it 
it happens. That being said, though, you got to go through customs in each country that you fly through, including exiting New Zealand to go to Antarctica. Now, flights to and from Antarctica, you either get to ride in a limousine or a taxi. Taxi would be the uh, LC-130 Hercules, which really sucks. You're knee-to-knee with the person across from you. It's hot. you got to wear all your ECW gear. And it's just uncomfortable. The best part of that flight going home was getting off the plane. But my flight to the ice was on a C-5 Galaxy run by the Air Force. Man, that was amazing in comparison. Also, if you're going to South Pole, all their flights are done by the Air National Guard out of New York. And they're all on LC-130 Hercs, which is pretty neat. It's an ice runway. The planes take off and land on a groomed ice runway. Pretty neat to see and like nothing you've ever done before. Oh, what am I saying? I don't know who you are listening to this, but it was like nothing I had ever done before. So I get there. I step off the plane and all I see is white, just nothing around. We were out at the airfield, which is a couple of miles from town. And my thought was, well, this sucks. But at the same time, I was so excited for the experience and I'd worked so hard to get there that I just decided to get on the bus and try it out. But my initial response to it was, this is it. So keep that in mind. If it's a overcast, nasty day where they're flying you in between weather patches, your first view of, the, of where you're at isn't going to be that great. So moving forward. What will you need to pack? I remember being a Boy Scout, and my mother always wanted to pack extra things in my backpack for camping trips. And half those things never got unpacked. Well, I packed my own bags this time, being that I I grew up into a big boy. And I packed more than I needed. My biggest question was, what am I going to need and not knowing what I'm going to do there? I packed too much stuff. I ended up sending things home. So here's some things I found that you may want to pack or that you may need. All of your ECW gear is provided by your employer, by the NSF, really. So you get coveralls, super thick insulated boots, two jackets. You got Big Red, which is the NSF's signature item. It's a giant parka that costs a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. They give you a beanie, goggles, gloves, mittens, anything that's outerwear for the extreme cold they provide. Now, what you're going to want to buy for yourself is all of your personal items, such as underwear. Buy good long underwear. Spend 15, 20 bucks a pair. It'll last you your whole time there. Avoid cotton because if you sweat, then it gets wet and then it gets cold and it's just not great. I I like the... um, the athletic style stuff. That's what I wore most of. And it kept me warm. Get some good socks. Pack more than you need because you'll wear them out. Pack, uh, I don't know, eight, ten pairs. There is laundry on site. There's laundry in almost every building. You can you can wash your stuff, so you're not going to have to pack your whole stay's worth of clothing. There's, of course, laundry there. But buy good quality things, and you won't have to buy them twice. Uh, make sure you bring your own beanie. Grab two or three. 
the ones that they give you are cheap and plenty of people wear them, but they're not the most comfortable. They don't go down very far over your ears. And if you care about style, they don't look that great. I ended up buying a couple of slouch beanies after I got there because I was that guy. But they looked good on me. I enjoyed them. Something else to bring, and here's a shocker for probably several people, is there is no streaming media on site. You have TV, and it's run by its own department where they'll broadcast movies on certain channels. No TV shows. We get military news. We also get occasionally... I remember I was there for the McGregor... Mayweather fight and they paid for that to be broadcast for us. So that was really neat, but that was about the only streaming media that we got. So bring a hard drive loaded up with movies and TV shows, bring a blank hard drive. You'll meet people that have the TV shows and movies that you want to find. There's plenty, plenty to do, but there's also times where you just want to relax and it's nice to be able to pick out your own stuff instead of relying on the TV. So definitely bring a hard drive. You can get tons of photos that are shared from everybody, get music, movies, you name it. If it's if it's digital media, you can share and transfer. I ended up buying a terabyte external hard drive after I got there because I didn't know that I would need it, but I filled up quite a bit of space on it just from all the, the shared media I got from friends. If you're going to be wintering over that means you will have your own room, and that means you can rearrange furniture, set up your own cave, double beds, make a king size, however you'd like to. What I'm getting at, though, is you'll have enough space that you can set up a projector. Several people had projectors in their room. People that had been there before knew what they were doing, and one guy actually had a ceiling mount for his and had it all wired in to broadcast on a whole wall. So... A white sheet, maybe. I think you can get those from laundry, but bring a projector. It doesn't take up much space. They're getting smaller and smaller, and they don't cost too much for a decent one. As far as personal items go, though, bring Carmex. Antarctica is a desert, believe it or not, and it is super dry. So I had the problem where the corners of my mouth would split from my lips being dry and it takes forever to heal because that's an area of your mouth that moves all the time. You can't get Carmex in the station store. So bring your own, bring your own chapstick, bring five or six tubes. You're going to forget it in your clothes, throw it through the laundry, what have you bring spares of those and they don't take up any space. As far as everyday stuff, depending on your department, you may be working indoors, bring multiple pairs of shoes, for when you're not at work, stuff that you can wear to and from the dining hall, the bars, around your dorm, bring some slippers, whatever you have space for. Again, try and try and keep your stuff minimum. Don't overpack. There is a weight limit. So I think you're allowed 80 pounds per passenger, and that's no matter the length of your stay. You could be there for three months. You could be there for 12 months. That was my contract that I signed up for was 12 months. I ended up doing 10 of them and then heading home. But all I could bring was 80 pounds. So definitely plan ahead and think light. And you can also have stuff mailed to yourself. There is an address available that they'll give you on onboarding that you can 
pre-send packages. They could be there waiting for you, if, or it could be on the flight that you come in on because mail is so few and far between. I'm getting ahead of myself, though, without cover mail in another episode. So beyond shoes and slippers, bring some costumes. Antarctica is a place where everybody likes likes to hang out, party. It's where you get to let your freak flag fly without judgment. And there's a lot of costume parties, a lot of themed parties. So bring things, if you have the space, to go out and have fun in. I can't think of any specific events because none of them were really planned. They just kind of happened while we were there. And there's stuff on on the island that you can get to make a costume out of. But if you got something specific in mind or some costume you enjoy, pack that in your bag. If you're going to be wintering over and you will be there through the middle of winter, so look up winter solstice in the southern hemisphere, and that's going to coincide with the dates that you're there. If you are there, you're going to want some dress apparel. Midwinter dinner is a huge deal, and that's not something they tell you before you go. So I showed up in spandex leggings with neon animal prints on them and a t-shirt. Oh, and some bright shoes. Because I didn't have anything fancy to wear, so I figured I might as well stand out. That's just kind of who I am, though. So... That's really the only event you'll have time to dress up for. If you're going to be there for Christmas, maybe Thanksgiving. Just depends on how fancy you want to be or if you care. Personal items. You want to bring tweezers, nail clippers, eyeglass repair kits if you have any. Things that you normally keep in your kitchen drawer for when you need them. Don't forget to pack those. They're lightweight. They don't take up space. And you'll be glad that you have them. If you're a drinker, which I am, I highly recommend buying a Coleman plastic flask from Walmart. The top of it opens so you can rinse it out between different types of alcohol and you don't require a funnel to fill it. And it's insulated. Put it right in your pocket, front pocket, back pocket, jacket pocket. By the way, those giant parkas have about 14 pockets on them. So you got plenty of pockets and it's just a flask. You're going to need it. Saturdays, they offer drinking in the galley, and they specify that drinking in the galley is supposed to be beer or wine, but nobody's checking cups. So if you got a flask full of whatever, and you got a, a cup full of soda, just don't get caught pouring it in there. This is probably why I said I don't represent the companies that I mentioned before, because they would not agree with that. Mm. again, I can't emphasize this enough. Don't pack too much. Really think about what you're bringing. There is a weight limit and you can always order stuff from Amazon or have it sent from home. You can get mail. It's just few and far between. As you are traveling to Antarctica, make sure you have some spending cash. Couple, couple hundred bucks, three to 500. If you get stuck in Christchurch because of a weather delay, on your way in, you're going to want to be able to go out and do stuff. There's neat things to see there. You're supposed to stay around the city, but your only meal provided is breakfast at the hotel. So anything else is on you. You're going to want to have some spending cash so that if you do get stuck, or even if you have a planned day there before you go to the ice, you can feed yourself. When you get to McMurdo, there are ATMs. 
There were two. There was only one that worked while I was there the whole time because it's a Wells Fargo ATM. And the other one was broken for the whole 10 months I was there. But there is an ATM. You can get cash. And cash is used pretty frequently on station, especially at the bar. They don't have card readers at the bars. There's one in the station store. But if you want to go buy a beer or a drink, it's all cash. And you want to be able to tip your bartender. So to wrap this episode up, uh, another question that I get pretty often is, would I go back? That is a complex answer for several reasons. Reasons I would not go back, I'll start with. The pay was less than I make here. You don't get any extra for hazard pay. There is an uplift bonus at the end of your contract, but it's continually in jeopardy. If you screw up, you don't get your uplift. So... It's not a guarantee. It's not tax-free because Antarctica is not a sovereign nation, so you pay U.S. taxes and any state-applicable taxes that you would have in the state that you reside in. The other problems I had with it were there was no retirement program. They would offer you information for a 401k, but there's no company match. So you can feed it yourself, but being a contractor they're not going to feed your 401k any kind of match at all. There's also the benefits. While you're there, while you're employed and under contract, you have health, dental, vision. They give you an option to get all of these things. But the day that you leave the ice, your coverage stops. So I think they're doing it just to check boxes and for for tax reasons, but you're paying benefits out of your pocket that you can't use. So that made no sense for time off that I disliked with it. They would send me a Cobra option after I left, but it's super expensive to do that to pay for your insurance by yourself. So just didn't make sense to do as a career move. If I were to go back, which Here's the positive things. The quality of people there was, for the most part, amazing. We all had that one thing in common that we chose and worked hard to get to the bottom of the world. Everybody's a little bit off to decide to do that. And you've got your definite different cliques. you got your working class. you got your hipsters, people that don't belong anywhere in any of those and chameleon into them, like myself. And... A lot of it is separated by work department. You hang out with the people you work with. You meet people that aren't in your department with similar interests outside of work. But in general, everybody there is there to work and work very hard to be there. They've all got the traveler's gene. And the people I worked with directly, all but one of them, I would work with anywhere else. It, the experience was amazing. The breathtaking sights that I got to see, the southern lights, the mountains around, the penguins. There's so much you can take from the experience, and a lot of it depends on your attitude. But was it worth it? Absolutely. If I were to do it again, I would have to be in a different financial state. I kept my house when I went down there, so a lot of my paycheck was going into bills. 
upkeep on the house, utilities, that kind of stuff. If I wanted to do this as a career, you got to be a nomad, a couch surfer, so that while you're working, you can sock away all the extra money that you're not paying for bills into a savings account and be able to use that in your off time to travel and do what you will with your time off. But for me to have permanent residence, it just didn't make financial sense to stay and continue doing that, which is why I no longer do it. The experience was good enough, though, that I'm making a podcast for all of you to listen to. So that's going to do it for episode one. Next episode, we'll be covering a lot more about life on the ice once you get there. Uh, Gossip, work life, life outside of work, living conditions, those sort of things. And I will catch up with you guys then.